0: Hey there, everyone. Happy to be with you again for Everybody's Got Something. Now, this week is a little different. I have a conversation with an amazing, resilient woman named Felicia Johnson. She really reminded me of one of my sisters, Dorothy. They just have that same spirit. Now, Felicia has gone through something no one should ever have to go through. She describes it as a monster A monster she felt was chasing her and her family one by one. Cancer. It affected three generations of her family. Eleven women in total were affected by it. What she has to say and her message is so incredibly important.
1: You can feel it in your heart. Feel it in your soul. Everybody's got a little something Something that makes them feel gold Thank you. Thank you again,
0: everybody. I'm not going to say bye, Felicia. I'm going to say hi, Felicia. (laughs) (laughs) Hi. Wonderful, wonderful. Gosh, you look like family. You look like my sister.
1: Those round cheekbones.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you're one of 11 children?
1: Yes. Eleven children. And where are you in that pecking order? In the pecking order, I am the third in line firstborn daughter. Mm. So you got a little distinction in that big I group. have a distinction.
0: Yes, you do. And your story is very distinctive. and thank you for your willingness to share it, and we want to want to hear it. So let tell, tell us about your, your family and how breast cancer, cancer has
1: impacted generations of your family. So when I think about breast cancer and my family, I think of a horror movie, let's say uh, Nightmare on Elm Street or Chucky. So the three generations affected my maternal grandmother, grandparents had five daughters. Mm-hmm. All five daughters had breast cancer. Wow. My maternal grandmother had breast cancer. And then in my generation, I had breast cancer, metastatic breast cancer, stage four. My sister, Annie, had breast cancer. My sister, Monica, had breast cancer. My first cousin, Marcy, had breast cancer. My first cousin, Danny, and it seems like our list just goes on and on. So there was a total of 11 women affected with breast cancer.
0: And when it really hit close to home, when your generation, it was one thing when you saw your mother and your aunt, but then when your first cousin passed away
1: from breast cancer, what was that moment like for you? When she passed away from breast cancer, I felt like the monster was chasing us, and now it's close and now it's attacked, and now it's destroyed, and who's going to be next in my generation? There wasn't anything that we could do about the spread or what was happening, so there was an extreme amount of fear with the women in my generation with breast cancer.
0: And when you said that, were you talking about yourself, too? Like, when is it going to get me? What is it coming after me?
1: I thought it was chasing me, and because my mom died at 40, I was waiting to die. I was waiting to get diagnosed before 40, and then I was waiting to die. So after my first cousin died, I'm thinking to myself, I may be next. Something may happen. It was paralyzing mental fear, because you don't want to say it out loud and caused the family to worry even more. So any little bruise or bump or ache or pain or if my breast felt you, like something was going on, I'm thinking to myself, it's cancer, it's cancer, it's cancer, but I don't want to tell anyone. So it wasn't something that you
0: discussed. It wasn't something that even as a family, even though it for generations
1: had impacted your family, we all didn't talk about it. No one ever said a word. It was like a private secret hidden in the, hidden in our closet. And they'd say, when things progressed, it's cancer, and that's it, or or the big C. And my mom's generation, my grandmother, never said a word. So the moments that I was at the hospital with one of my aunts or my mom. I knew something was going on, but I didn't know the gravity of what was taking place. Why didn't they want to talk about it? I think part of it is our culture as Mm African-American people. We're very, very private. We keep things hidden. And sometimes we think if we don't speak about it, it will go away. Or if if we don't speak about it, I'll take care of it down the line. It's not as bad as we think it is. So there was just silence. And you wanted to break that cycle of silence, didn't you? And I wanted to break the cycle of silence. I felt like if someone said something and I helped the family, we could make an awareness about the cancer in our family, find out what the impact is medically and genetically, and see what we can do about health maintenance, breast maintenance, and letting our doctors know Here's our history. What can we do?
0: And you made a promise to your family about it. Hey,
1: if it happened to you, you just watch. You just watch. You, you, watch. you, you watch. just watch. The day that my first cousin passed, and we went back to um, her mom's home for the uh, repass. I, I was looking around for all the girls. I'm like, well, where's my group at? Like, why am I down here with the old people? Kind of right. Mm-hmm. And eventually I go to the bottom of the steps and I hear this wailing, deep, deep groaning and wailing. And I'm thinking to myself, what is going on? So I decide to go up the steps and the closer I get to my cousin's room, all the girls are in the room. All my sisters, all my first cousins, my cousin's daughter. And it's a deep, deep cry as if a child had fell down the steps and couldn't catch mm-hmm. their breath from crying. Mm-hmm. And I stand at the door. I'm afraid. I stand at the door and I look in and I realize that they're crying because we lost her and she was so young. And now it's got us. It's wrapped itself around us like tentacles. What's going to happen with us? I just stood outside the door still peeking in, and I said, if perchance I happen to get cancer, I'm healed. And I went back downstairs. I refused to go into the room and join in. I'm I'm not going to do that. And tell people right now
0: you've had two bouts. I've had. And one, we do share the triple negative. Yes. Which is one of the most... Which really affects the African American community yes. the most, and is so so deadly.
1: Yes. And yes. look at us. Yeah. And look at us. Look at us.
0: We're 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 here. Yes. So it's not detectable right now with you.
1: It's not detectable. Correct. Correct. Mm-hmm. With me. So during the stage four cancer, I found out my um, doctor and I were talking, and um, he says when I got diagnosed with a triple negative because I had such a hard time dealing with that diagnosis, he says, I didn't think you were going to make it the first time with the stage four. I'm thinking to myself, really?
0: Thanks a lot.
1: (laughs) What (laughs) rig were you in? (laughs) What (laughs) rig were you in? Because I remember him Uh, saying to me when I met him, the train is already out the gate. We've got to get ahead of the train. You have stage four. And then because I was so distraught mentally when I found out I had the triple negative breast Mm. cancer, I'm thinking,
0: well, that's aggressive. And they don't know. It's like, nope, that's not it. Nope, that's not the reason why. Nope, that's not the reason. That's why it's triple negative. They're like, nope, 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 doesn't check off any of the boxes. And I don't know about you, but when I was diagnosed at that time, and it's changed at the time, I was told, as a black woman, you're less likely to get breast cancer, but most likely to die from it if you get it. I'm like, well, what the heck do you do with that information? Exactly. And now it's even still, you know, more likely to pass away from it. But now, not most least likely to get it. Now we're on par with our counterparts in the probability of having cancer. What you are an advocate and you want to get the word out, in particular, to, to everyone, but yes. to the African-American yes. community, because it is something that we just don't talk about, still, very little.
1: I am like the poster child for <laughs> for breast cancer. I will talk to you on the corner. Hi, do you, do you know anything about breast cancer? What about your family? So what I've been allowed to do, and my passion is as a result of my diagnosis, is... I got involved with the breast cancer organization. Mm-hmm. They gave me some additional training and skills to become a community advocate. So I know that one place that African-Americans gather at are faith-based community, right. faith-based organizations and at church. So I did cold letters and sent them to churches and said, Hey, my name is Felicia Johnson. I'm a breast cancer survivor. Could I come into your church and just speak about wow. breast cancer? Health. It's just not cancer. It's knowing what your breasts look like and when to start examining your breasts, which is as early as the age of 20. Knowing your family history, the genetics of it. Do you carry that BRCA gene? We carry the gene. And find an older person, if possible, in your family and bring the secret out. <laughs> Well, grandmom died, and all we know is she's not here anymore. See if it was breast cancer. Yeah, that's important for you to know. So I go out and speak to people, organizations, basically churches, and it doesn't matter. And especially for underserved women, whether you're black or white, doesn't matter what neighborhood. If you're especially if you're poor and Economics, don't have yeah. those resources. I'm coming into your neighborhood, I don't mind, and to tell you... Why do you want to do that? I love this about you, you know, because this happens to a lot of people, but
0: what is it about you that you said, I'm going to be the voice for those who don't have a
1: voice? Number one is is because it was a secret in my family, and we're terrified. And I see the terror in in my generation. Even today as we speak, Mm -hmm. the terror is still there. Number two is, without information, you suffer. You suffer with not knowing what to do. And you wanna catch the cancer early. That's important. Early detection. Early detection, you wanna catch it at zero. You wanna catch it at one. You don't wanna get diagnosed at stage four. Mm -hmm. And even though I was vigilant, I still got diagnosed at stage four. I still had triple negative. But what you don't wanna do is set yourself up for pre-failure of treatment. Mm -hmm. You wanna give yourself the best opportunity that science has to fight your disease. That was so,
0: I've spoken to a lot of people, that was so well put, what you just said there, because it's the fear, I don't don't get it. I'd rather know than not know. I'm sorry, I wanna know, I wanna know. And then, you know, set up a, a game plan. Tell me about this park that's close to where you live and you've been as a child on, the, on those swings.
1: Tell me about that. So <laughs> um, I happen to be a tomboy when I was growing up. So I Another love, thing we have in common. <laughs> <laughs> I love climbing trees, playing all kinds of sports. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's a park where I grew up at. I've been swinging on the swings since I was a little girl. And what it is, it's very soothing for me. And I just it's the blowing in the breeze, and I'm thinking about things in life and contemplating things in life. So when I think about cancer and the swing, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, the um motion of a swing back and forth, back and forth, and with everything that's happened to my family as it relates to cancer, with what it's done to me, emotionally, mentally, psychologically, all that hurt, all that pain, all that depression, anxiety, and experience of my own added with my families. When I swing back, I'm swinging into the history, but when I swing forward, I'm swinging into new hope, new joy, mm-hmm. new peace, and giving a part of me to another woman or another family to say, yes, the experience can be difficult. Yes, it can be a challenge. Let's just be honest about it. But when you swing forward into that hope, you're gonna come through and you are going to live. And yes, you may experience some death, but even in that, you're still gonna make it through. So swing into the future, with the experience you had in the past, so you can help someone else.
0: That imagery is so poetic. And I know that poetry has been a form of
1: therapy for you. Yes, yes. So sort from of my cancer experience, because I didn't want to worry my family. Mm-hmm. Their premise was, oh my gosh, she's gonna die, is she gonna die? Is she gonna die? Just from it their experience, understandably. Mm-hmm. So I needed a way to express what was going on with me. And I started writing. I journalized 15 years of cancer. Wow. And I never slept for for some reason. Chemo gave, gave me insomnia, so I'm up during the night. And I just started writing about the experience that I was having, how it affected me directly, and the impact that the history has had on me. So I... um. Wrote a little portion of a poem. I wrote this as a result of transitioning with my sister into hospice before she passed. So uh, we were really close, of course. And it really spoke to, she was silent also. And I'd have to look in her eyes to see what she was saying. So there was even a silence between us that really wasn't spoken, but was broken the day she went into hospice So it's called the silence was just on the outside. Yet when the silence of your life was coming to an end, you stole its power. You cut its breath off by speaking words again to me. You're strong. I could hear you breathing. The silence was further annihilated by your final statement to me. Your last powerful words. I love you. God will take care of you. You've rescued me that day. Now today, I carry those words of life inscribed on my heart, and our silence has been broken. Can I just have a second, please? Wow.
0: How did you do that? How did you find the strength and the words and the beauty to to write that?
1: I was up. Again, in the middle of the night, and I was thinking about Annie and how much she didn't speak. And sometimes during that process, our process together, because we had cancer together at different places in the continuum. And it was almost as if she said, I recognize what's going on, but I won't let that kill my voice I need you to know that you can move on, you can speak I'm giving you permission to talk and I'm up one night and I'm thinking about her and just got inspired to write to know that in my loss of Annie that I could speak for her, myself, and my family, hear my voice, ladies, women, mothers, daughters, grandmothers, hear our voice. Do something about your family history and your breast health. I, I love how you say breast health,
0: not the breast cancer, but breast health. How has this part of your journey shaped you into the woman, the beautiful woman you are today.
1: The first time I learned how to ride a bike, I didn't know what I was doing. I got on and I went down a hill and it scraped me all the way down. So I'm thinking to myself, don't ride that bike again, don't ride that bike again. And the thing about the cancer is is that even though it scraped me all the way down and I'm much more humble. Mm-hmm. Somehow out of pain and living with a challenge, it creates a space inside of you for change. You've got to decide if you're going to move forward in that change. Am I going to live in the past and the fear of cancer, my family's and my own? Or am I going to decide to change? And my son puts it this way come out of the whale mom come out of the whale <laughs> so I've chosen to come out of the whale and do what I can do I can't help everyone but if I could help one person one woman one family it makes a difference and is that your your your
0: message is that your one thing you want people to take away from your story it just
1: that is help one person. I know it's painful. I know it hurts. But walk along someone else. Beside someone else, take another woman's hand. She needs you. She needs what you went through so she can see. That there's hope. When I told someone I had stage four. When I told someone I had triple negative. You have metastatic cancer, and they see that I'm alive. Okay, there's hope. I can make it. I can go through. I can make that next appointment with my oncologist. I can do chemo. I can do radiation. Just take someone else's hand to the swing in the park with you mm-hmm. and let them swing on your swing so they know they can make it too. Mm-hmm so glad you're here we are not ready to say bye
0: Felicia no. not to you no he wasn't ready to say bye to you no. at, at all well, well thank you and I think it's an important message for all and, and men as well are diagnosed with breast cancer yes, yes but for our community to hear you and to see the shining example that you are and let's together break this cycle of silence
1: Silent no more. Silent no more. more. Silent
0: no more. Mm -mm Mm-mm-mm. What a special woman with a strong spirit. So guess who we're talking to next week for our final episode? You! You heard me, you! You know we've been asking for two seasons for you to send us your somethings. And we received so many incredible submissions. I wish we could share all of them with you. We did pick a few to share, and even had one listener come into our studio in New York City to tell their story. And I cannot wait for you to hear it. It's a movie in the making. All right, people. Time to say bye bye for now. Before we do, a big thanks to my podcast posse, John, Alex, Josh, Rennie, Danielle, and Jade. And of course, my entire team at Rock and Robin Productions, GMA, and ABC Radio that contribute to this podcast. Until next week, hot mess still blessed. I'm Robin Roberts.